Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast where we bring you exclusive interviews with talent creatives from across entertainment, discovering their stories and how they're changing the face of stardom across media. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's get to talking. So today we are joined by the Emmy-nominated co-host of Ease Daily Pop, who you also see every week hosting The Scoop on Today. And you remember remember him from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's Justin Sylvester. Justin, thank you so Hi. Being here, welcome. Oh my God, thank you for having me. What's happening? <laughs> so you guys recently celebrated the fifth year of Daily Pop, over 1,200 episodes now. <laughs> so what was going through your head when you guys finally hit that milestone? Um, how did five years pass without anyone knowing? It was, first of all, it snuck up on everybody because we were like, oh, we think it's our fifth year and we have to do something. And I thought, you know, they're going to bring out a cake or they're going <laughs> to buy us a nice bottle of champagne and we're going to drink the whole time. Not like we don't do anyway. Um, <laughs> but it was it was just cool to see just a flashback of how many people have like kind of walked through the door and really... Um, came in guest co-hosted the show or came on just to promote something and just how much fun we've had over the years like we're mm. we're just a non-traditional tv show um in the sense that like we are kind of we curse we have a good time we laugh we cry we ask the questions that most reporters are afraid to ask so mm -hmm. the fact that people come back after we've been so messy is amazing whenever we do these interviews i always try to like touch on things that others don't because um, you know, there's sort of that like fine line of, of as a reporter, you're like, where do I cross the line? But you guys just like you go into it. And that's like, probably refreshing for your guests to be like, Oh, no one's asked me that before. Like, I feel like that's always a compliment when you, just, when you stump. A guest oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm a gay black man. And there are not a lot of things that I can't ask. You know what I mean? Like, if mm. you're not Wendy Williams has made it possible. Because I feel like Wendy Williams is a gay black man on the inside. Um, <laughs> And she has made it possible for us to teeter that line. But I always tell people on my show or when I had just a sip my podcast, if I ask you a question, feel free to turn it around on me at any point. Mm. If you're feeling hesitant to talk about it, I'll talk about something similar in my life. So if I'm expecting a guest to be real with me, I got to be real with not only myself, but with them as well. And I'm okay with doing that. And I think most people, when they come on the show, they've seen a show, and they know that I will be, I'm going to be as honest and transparent as possible. You know, being on the show four or five years since it started, um, I'm sure there are like just obviously over 1200 uh, interviews and, and, and conversations at this point, but does anything sort of like stand out to you um, of like, just like something that sticks out in your memory over the last five years? Um, yeah, I think the first day. I think the kind of the first day we had like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a damn show. I was never on camera like this. So for me, the first day of feeling like, wow, like the cameras have started, the red light has gone on and this is real. That stood out to me. And, you know, I think interviewing Angelina Jolie at like the height of the Brad Pitt of it all, that to mm -hmm. me was a, the most fascinating and the one that made me feel the most accomplished out of any interview we've ever done. I, I would be a nervous wreck. I know that, but uh, you know, kudos to you for, <laughs> for it was for great. It all gracefully. 
it was amazing. Like talking to her about that was like one of the like it was it was scary. We were dealing with one of the most A-list people in the world, and she's giving you five minutes of her time. And are you gonna ask her about what's going on? Are you gonna glaze over it? Are you gonna mm -hmm. pretend like it's not happening so you can keep that relationship alive? And you 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 just have to that those are the things that are like in your mind as she's walking into the room. And then she sits down and she says hello to you. And then you forget everything that you have talked about for the last three weeks. And you forget your name and you forget where you are or why you're there. <laughs> and then you have to piece those things back together because she's there and she's staring <laughs> right through your ass. <laughs> uh, so lots of folks know you from your time on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And given that that's just a completely different type of um, unscripted television, even though there are like, you know, it's influenced and there's like suggestions going on from behind the camera, but going from that to this sort of scripted, uh, hosting type of gig, what were like the biggest differences for you going from, from Real Housewives to, to Daily Pop? Well, I think the first, the biggest difference was Real Housewives was not my show, you know, like that was <laughs> Kyle's show. They wanted rich, affluent. And I was her support system throughout the whole thing. I was there to help her figure out how to do it all. Like that was what I was doing from jump. So I never felt like it was my show. I actually shy away from the camera um, because I didn't never wanted her to think that I was here for the wrong reasons. Um, and it's funny because my show is 10% scripted. We say hello, we set up the story, we tag out of the story, and we set up the next story. That makes up for 10% of the show. The other 90% is talking at the top of, you know, off the top of your head, having conversations with people. Um, so as much as my show seems scripted, you're live. And there's no do-overs, you know. On Real Housewives, which I would, I don't have the balls to do. That show is a beast in itself. Um, at least you get to, you know, it's filmed, it's taped. They're going to cut down, you know, five years of tapes into 42 minutes and they're going to put it out every week. Um, for us, it's live. You're, you're there. So if you mess up, Twitter will let you know that you messed up. <laughs> hey, you, there's, you know, housewives get six months to really think about what they said and really come up with an excuse for it. We don't. You get 60 minutes. And uh, I wanted to chat a bit about your uh, involvement with this wonderful organization um, called Camp Lightbulb uh, that creates, um, you know, uh, summer camp experiences for LGBTQ plus youth uh, and their families. So how did you first become involved with the, with the organization? I went to a party. They threw a shindig. And I thought it was like, just like, a, you know, I'm going to go to a Christmas party. I'm going to look cute. I'm going to try to run into a dude who might ask for my number <laughs> and like keep it moving. And they brought out one of the campers to speak about um, the camp and their experience and hearing the camper talking about what it was like to be able to spend time with kids from around the country who thought like them and who identified the same way that they did. It really brought me back in the room to what my life would have been like if I had that same experience and, you know, felt like I had a normal childhood with and felt normal during that time. Um, and being the only gay kid at camp, you don't feel that way. And you don't get to kiss Charlie behind the swing set 
whenever everybody else is at the mess hall, because that's what everybody does at camp, you know, there's not that experience for you as a gay kid. So to know that these people started a, a foundation and gave kids the opportunity to do that, I was like, hell, I want to be involved. So I just raise, try to raise money as much as I can at any point. So like for my birthdays, I'm like, instead of giving me a gift, you know, give to Camp Lightbulb. If I can say it on the show, I'll say it on the show. If I can host, you know, a round table for them, I'll do it wherever they need me. If I can make it, I'm there. And I'm just trying to get other people involved and to bring light to it so that other families, you know, can send their kids and, and be mindful that they can send other kids to, you know, a place where they can be themselves. And if anyone wants to uh, donate or get involved with them, uh, where can they go? Camplightbub.org. It is an amazing situation. It's so much fun. It's easy. We make, we take you money and it's easy. You know, sometimes <laughs> you go to like an organization and you're trying to give them the money, but they make it like completely hard. No, <laughs> you send a text and we'll send you back the instructions. We'll put you right on the line with someone who can take that cash. Um, so yeah, camplightbub.org is where you go. And I suggest that anyone who is gay or straight or knows anyone who has ever been a gay teen to really look into it because it's an unbelievable organization. And damn, who doesn't want to go to P-Town? I want to go to P-Town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so given the name of our, of our podcast, uh, Multicultural TV Talk, we always love to talk about uh, diversity and representation. Uh, in media. So uh, do you have anything that comes to mind regarding a performance or an actor or anyone that you saw growing up that made you feel represented for the first time? I think watching, I used to watch pop-up video when my mom would go to work. I was a latchkey kid. So I would, I had the same routine every morning. I would wake up and watch Golden Girls. And then by the time I had my cereal, we were on Rugrats. And then after that, <laughs> Mari started. And then I would go to Papa Video. And after Papa Video one day, I forgot to turn the channel onto Montel Williams. And all of a sudden I saw RuPaul. Hmm. And I thought, damn, like, oh, this is wild. Like this man is here doing the damn thing and people are paying him for it and and people are celebrating him and he's talking to stars and he's doing his thing and that for me was like the moment where i was like aha like i can do this and having people like like rupaul and ross matthews and the cast of queer eye um having all those people you know, even Karamo on Real World Philadelphia, having all those people be on my TV screen, you know, throughout crucial points in my life as I was growing up, just kind of pushed me to want to pursue things that I didn't think were possible, but that other gay men were making look like it was possible and that there was opportunity out there for all of us. And uh, if you had sort of like a, a run-in with a 13-year-old Justin, and you told them where you are today, how do you think that they would react? He would be like, that's not the plan. We were supposed to be further. <laughs> My 13-year-old self would think I was behind. I'm not even joking. He would be like, what? Why were you wasting time from 26 to 29? What were you thinking? This was like not a part of the plan. Oh, my 13-year-old self probably thought I was going to be 
bigger, married, kids by now, you know, married to some wealthy financier and just like, you know, I would have four kids by now. That was my plan. I was going to get married and have four kids. I always wanted to be a mom. So my 13 year old self would be like, what's up? Where are those stretch marks at? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and if you could, uh, <laughs> and if you could give that 13 year any advice, what would you say? Oh, I would tell him to never let anyone shatter him. My 13 year old self was confident. He was fierce. He was great. He never really, he was like the queen of ignoring things. Like people tried to bring him down and he just knew how to keep it moving. When people called him a faggot, when people said the N word, it never deterred him. It was weird. And I wish I had that still till today. I wish I had the, the, um, the superpower of not letting things get to me. You know, I feel like I've become more sensitive in my older age. Not that I'm like 70, but like I'm 35, but I just feel like the 13 year old self in me was so strong and knew who he was that he never let other people's words or his own negative words get him down. Ooh, 13 year old me was fucking Rihanna. Like he was <laughs> bomb. He really was mm -hmm. bomb. I, I miss that guy. You know, so it happens. It's like opposite for most people. Most people are shy and easily intimidated when they're younger and then they grow into themselves as they mm -hmm. get older. I felt like I was more comfortable with myself probably because I was proving a point not only to other people, but to myself, you know, it was, it was really weird. It's wild. When you like, when you think about it, were you opposite? Did you find yourself when you were older? Um, somewhat. I, I feel like I definitely grew up sort of like code switching in a way. Cause like I was shyer at school, but then with my many, I had like, you know, 20 cousins on my mom's side of the family. So with all of them, I was just a completely different person. And now I'm a bit more like a little anti, especially working from home all this time, yeah. you know, like just more antisocial. <laughs> yeah, no code switching. Look, I was the king because I was black and gay <laughs> in a black neighborhood. And then I was going to school with all white kids. So you had to, I had to code switch nonstop. And I think sometimes people take code switching as a negative thing, but I feel like, you know, people code switch all the time. I feel like yeah. straight people code switch 24 seven. I'm watching these Everyone documentaries does. where they're like, that man was so nice. I can't believe he killed 95 people. That, that's code switching, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think we all do it. I think we all still do it. My voice gets gayer on TV. <laughs> Bobby Burke from Queer Eye said, the camera adds 10 pounds of gay. I don't know why, <laughs> like it goes really high. Like it's weird, it's really weird. But I think that we often tell people like, especially when I'm about to date them, I'm like, oh, you know, I have like Kiki's on camera. Cause you know, you, when you're on camera my show is about three friends gossiping about what's going mm -hmm. on in life. When you're gossiping with your girlfriends you're kiki and you're loud, you're crazy. And that's how I am on TV. I'm in my kiki mode. Uh, so Justin, if anyone wants to follow you on a social media or anywhere, where can they find you? Um, on Instagram at Justin A. Sylvester. I'm not on Twitter because Twitter's scary. <laughs> and on TikTok at Justin Sylvester TV.
Awesome. And folks, you can all follow us at Media Village Com on Instagram. Head over to MediaVillage.com for all of our reviews, interviews, podcasts, and more. You can see Justin Sylvester co-hosting Daily Pop weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern on E. I'm Juan Ayala, and you're listening to Multicultural TV Talk.